All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Torah Studies. This is our exploration of the Torah, Torah portion. We have a tremendous class tonight. I hope you guys are ready for this. All right, here's the deal. You could say a lot of things about Torah. Torah does a lot of things for a lot of people. But one thing that we're going to discover tonight is that Torah is like a great, a great BuzzFeed article. It's like... Best tips for an incredible relationship. Click here to find out, you know, like, best tips for a relationship. This is going to be, and it's very surprising because this week's Torah portion, you would think, has nothing to do with relationships. It has nothing to do with, um, with love and relationships. And yet, it's right there. It's right there if you look beneath the surface. All we need to do is study and explore. So that's what we're going to do. All right, we're going to start with a bit of an overview of the parsha. Torah portion this week is called Vayakhel. And this Torah portion is where Moses gathers the people and he gives them all the instructions regarding the building of the Mishkan, the building of the tabernacle. So in the last few weeks, Hashem has told Moses what to build. And now Moses tells the people what to build and the people actually build it. Who were the main builders? Yeah, it was a guy named... Betzalel. Good. Betzalel was the main builder. His sidekick was? Ahaliyav. I know the Hebrew name. Ahaliyav, right? So it was Betzalel and Ahaliyav. <coughs> those were the two main guys. Although Betzalel of those two was the main guy. Ahaliyav was the sidekick. And then they commissioned a lot of, a lot of people. It was, a, it was a collaborative effort. You know what they say? It takes a village to build a Mishkan. I think someone said that somewhere. I just said it. I heard it just now for myself. It takes a village. <coughs> and the village consisted of people donating the items for the Mishkan. 13 items had to be done. Thir they needed 13 materials. The gold, the silver, the copper, the different types of wool, and the, yeah, the acacia with the cedar, whatever it is. All, all the wood, the... All, all this. All the different materials had to be donated, so there were people, tons of people donated, to the point that this week's Torah portion, at some point, um, the builders tell Moses, tell Moshe, all right, we got enough stuff. Stop. And Moses puts out the word, no more donations. No more. First time ever, I mentioned this in DVP, <laughs> first time ever that uh, a rabbi, a leader said, well, all right, we're done with donations, no donations. You kidding me? I remember, listen, I remember... Um, I was on uh, Bachar Shlichus. I was, as a, as, a, as a yeshiva student, I was sent for a year on Shlichut, on, uh, you know, kind of to, to help in another yeshiva. As an older student, I was sent to Miami. Yeshiva was in South Beach. And every Thursday night, we drove to Bell Harbor, Florida, Surfside Bell Harbor, to the Shoal. It's called the Shoal of Bell Harbor. 40. It's uh, a beautiful Shoal. No, 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 no. 41st Street is Miami Beach. This is 96th or something. This is north of that. North so Miami the, Beach. The, no, not, not North Miami. North Miami Beach is like the 160s or something. This was, yeah, that's where I this, is, this, right. is, this is in between. It's still not there. It's not there. Um, Yeshiva was 12th and Alton Road, if anybody knows Miami, 12th and Alton. Yes. Um, and then 41st Street is the big, is the main like Miami Beach community. Then uh, Surfside, Bell Harbor is like in the 90s. And then North Miami Beach is, is due north. But anyway, so we used to go there. And I remember seeing in the lobby, they had a campaign. They had like a, 
a, um, like a poster board on an easel, and the campaign was, burn the mortgage. And so I commented to somebody, you know, we would learn with, um, with people in the community every Thursday night, we'd have Russos, uh, like uh, study buddies, and I commented, oh, it's a nice campaign. He's like, no, they do this every year. Every year they're burning the mortgage. In other words, my point is, there's always more to collect. There's always more, you know, good things to do. But this is the first and I'm sure only time in history where, right, the, the rabbi says, we're good. Just keep the donations. We're absolutely fine. No reason to give anymore. But it happened. They gave, people gave so much that, uh, that it was too much, too much to use. Um, by the way, next week's Torah portion, one of the interesting um, like, uh, things in that next week's parasha is that Moses does an audit. He actually audit, he counts self-audits. He puts out black and white every ounce of gold and silver and copper and precious stuff. Every ounce of materials he mentions and he tells the people and puts it in the Torah exactly where it went. Nothing was wasted. Nothing was you know, misappropriate. Everything went where it needed to go. So the, the point, my point is the Mishkan was a collaborative effort. Everyone donated. Everyone had to donate a half a shekel. So everyone for sure donated. And then on top of that, people gave whatever they wanted, uh, whatever you know, their heart inspired them to give in a generous fashion. People gave the other materials. And then people built stuff. People who were talented in building and weaving and sewing and crafting sort of and, and stone cutting. Oh, it was a field day. Everyone participated. Who, everyone who wished to participate participated. And the Mishkan was built. So that's what we cover. That's the Torah portion this week that talks about the building of the Mishkan. Well, there is... An interesting, an interesting nuance when it comes to one specific item that's mentioned. One specific item that's mentioned, there's a bit of a nuance, and the item is the Ark. When the Torah tells us about the building of the Ark, it emphasizes a very unique element. And I'm going to share my screen with you for those that are online and don't have the book, text 1A. Um, for those of you here in person, 116, Marnin, if you don't mind, Please read text 1A. This is the Torah's account of the building of the ark. This is not God's vision of the ark as told to Moses. This is as the ark was actually built. Take it away, please. Bitzalel made the ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. He overlaid it with pure gold, both inside and out, and made a gold crown all around it. He cast four golden rings for it, fastened them upon its four corners, two rings on one side and two rings on the other. He made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He inserted the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark. He made the cover of the ark from pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide. Okay, so that is the story of the ark. You read it right here. It talks about the size of the ark, the materials of the ark, how he made it, all that good stuff. Okay, now here's the basic question. The question is, what was the ark used for? What was the utility of the ark? So we know this from a previous verse. The ark was a box. And inside the box, what was there? There was something very special. Text 1B provides the answer. Marnie, you know what? If you don't mind doing one more text, text 1B. Let's see what was inside the ark. The ark. So this is when God tells Moses about the Mishkan and about the ark. He tells him, "Oh, uh, in that ark, you're going to put the tablets of law." So we already know in the in the initial design concept 
what the ark is for. So as we read about the ark being built, so we know what's going to go inside. In other words, in other words, the ark is a the, is the place for Torah. The ark is the place for the tablets. The tablets are the core of the Torah. The Ten Commandments, the tablets, the Ten Commandments. It's the core of Torah, and that is the central space. This answers a very interesting question. A question that you and I probably didn't pick up. Well, a question that we might not have picked up on had we not paid a lot of attention. If you notice in text 1a, uh, let me pull, just as I stop sharing, let me just pull right back up here on the screen, and you guys have it right here. Text 1a, if you notice the very first word of that reading was, but Salome the ark. But Salome the ark, the rest of the items that are discussed in this Torah portion just says he. He did this, and he did that, and he did the other, and it refers to Betzal and his crew, but it says it used the pronoun he. Here, by the ark, it says Betzal. Betzal made the ark. Why is his name called out by the ark? So our sages answer that something was very special. Something was special about this ark. And, and Betzal knew how special it was, and he invested more energy in the ark, and he invested... Uh, specific energy in building the ark, and that's why the ark is attributed to his name. The ark carries the name of Betzalel. Everything else he made, but the ark Betzalel made. You know, like a signature piece, right? It's like a signature piece. Yeah, you can create many things, but then there's the signature piece. You know what you what represents you and your energy and what you're all about. The ark was Betzalel's signature piece. Why? Because it was all about the Torah. It housed the Torah, the Ten Commandments. That's a very special thing. Now, just to, just to get a little bit more um, flavor on this, let's take a look at text number two. Beautiful Midrash that speaks of the role, the central role that the Ark played in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle. Elio, please take it away. When God instructed Moses to instruct the Mishkan, Moses related this to Betzalel. Betzalel asked Moshe, what is the purpose of this Mishkan? Moshe responded, the Mishkan is for God to rest his presence in it and teach Torah to the Jewish people. Betzalel asked, where would the Torah be placed? Moshe replied, when we build the Mishkan, we will build an ark. There you go. So this is a very interesting dialogue. So Moses tells Betzalel, we're going to build this building. And Betzalel says, why? And Moses says, because this is where God's going to hang out. And this is from where to, this is the place from where Torah will emanate to the people. So Betzal says, so where's the Torah going to be placed? The Ark. Ten Commandments, the Ark. Yeah. It seems like we talked about the Ark before we went to the Mishkan. Good. All right, we're going to get to that idea. Now, in the Torah portion, the Mishkan is mentioned before the Ark. But in this, we selected now, we pulled out the Ark, and we're focusing on it exclusively, but we'll see in the next text, um, there's something special, actually in text number four, which we'll get to soon, there is something very special about the ark and the um, the uh, the special place that the that the, the the ark had in the Mishkan. But here we already see this. We see that the Mishkan, the tabernacle, was a place for God's presence and for Torah to be conveyed to the people. And where is the Torah placed? Where are the tablets placed? They rest in the ark. So we see that the ark was almost like the core, like the heart, if you will, of the Mishkan. By the way, because the ark is so connected with Torah we find something very unique. The Ark tells us what it means to contain the Torah. I, I, so just let's understand the analogy. The Ark, yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, like Raiders mentioned uh, Indiana Jones, right? So the Ark was a box. In the box were the tablets, both sets of tablets. 
Okay, so the ark signifies the vessel that houses Torah. Now, you and I are also meant to be vessels that house Torah. Are you with me on this? Mm-hmm. Right, we're meant to study Torah and to take in the Torah. So as the ark is, so we are supposed to be. In other words, if we want to know what it means to contain Torah, so all we need to do is look at the ark and how the ark was made so that we can learn how to, how to uh, contain Torah. So here we have the Talmud gives us a beautiful insight into the parallel between or our lessons from the ark to us about what it means to be able to contain Torah. Sindrine, please read this one. Um, take it away, text number three. Talmud. Cutting in gold, both inside and out, Chavatot. Any Torah scholar whose inside is not as his outside is not a true Torah scholar. Look at that. The Torah tells us that the ark was gold on the outside and gold on the inside. So says Rava, that's a message for you and I. We have to be gold, pure on the outside and on the inside. You know what that means? So a lot of people on the outside are nice and shiny, right? On the outside, oh, it's amazing, oh, amazing. Huh? On Facebook, on Instagram, yeah. On Twitter, said no one ever, right? I mean, like, it, it forward-facing, everyone's like, oh, it's amazing gold. And on the inside... Not so gold. Garnish. Uh, garnish, right. Not gold or garnished. So that Rava says that, it, that to really be a Torah skull, if you want to be an ark, you want to be a container for Torah, you got to be like the ark, like OG ark, like the original ark. The original ark was gold inside and outside, was gold outside and inside. You also have to be gold outside and inside. It means do the right thing and be a man, even behind closed doors, right? Inside, integrity through and through. Not when anyone is watching. I think we talked about this theme recently also. Not just when others are watching, even when no one else is watching. That's the big idea. Now, so now we know, so let's just take stock of what we've done. We've talked about Betzalel. This week's Torah portion talks about Betzalel making the Ark. I mentioned before that it's his signature piece. He made everything. But the Torah only says, he, 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 he. Right? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. But here the Torah says, here the Torah says, Betzalel. Ah, Betzalel, signature piece. So what was special about the Ark? It was the, the heart. The Ark was the heart of the Mishkan. If the Mishkan was about a place for God and a place for Torah, there you go. The Ark had the Torah. The Ark had the tablets, the core of Torah inside of it. What, what could be better than the Ark? And the Ark also teaches us what it means to contain Torah, gold inside, gold outside. All right, we have the beautiful messages. But now we have the perfect segue into the great debate, the great drama. You would never know this. You would never know this from looking at the verses without knowing the story behind the story. Because apparently, apparently, unbeknownst to, a- to anyone else, well, except for us. <laughs> Shh, keep it a secret. Right? Unbeknownst to the people at the time, there was a major debate going on behind closed doors about what to build first. And I think, Marnie, you pointed this out. What was built first? So, and, and by the way, there are different traditions in the Midrash about, what, about who took which side. It, and the debate was between Moshe and Betzalel. Moses and Betzalel. Those are the two combatants in this debate, if you will. The two, dis, um, whatever, the two parties of this debate. And again, there's a dispute as to which opinion they were disputing. In other words, there's a dispute about the dispute that's very Jewish. It's very meta, very Jewish. Not only was there a debate, 
But there's a debate about what the debate was, about who had which side. But tonight we're going to use one of the opinions. I'm not going to confuse you by giving you both. You can figure out it's the opposite of what I'm telling you. We're going to go with one, with one opinion. Okay? In this opinion, I'm going to share it first, and then we're going to read it inside in text 4. In this opinion, Moses believed that the Mishkan, the Mishkan should be made first, In other words, the building, the, the structure, the walls, the curtains, the cover, like the structure, and then the ark, along with the other vessels. And Betzalel said no. Betzalel said no. First things first, what's the most important part of this Mishkan? Not the walls. Not the walls. What is it? It's the ark. It's like... It's like the great debate. You walk into a museum. Yeah? The Louvre. How do you pronounce it? Louvre. 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 Right? Louvre. 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 Okay. So you walk there. You walk in there. And you see. <laughs> it's natural. It's beautiful. So you walk in there and you see the Mona Lisa. Ask your question. You don't call it Mona Lisa? Breaking news. In France, they don't call it Mona Lisa. What is it called? La, la, la Joconde. La Joconde. <laughs> Making up words. Uh, All right. Joker. Very. The joke. <laughs> All right. Here's the deal. The, the art currently known in America as the Mona Lisa, right, is also in a frame. But here's the question. What's the... What's the ichor? What's the tuffle? I'll give you Hebrew words. What's the ichor? What's the tuffle? What's the primary? What's the secondary? Is the primary the art or is the primary the frame? You tell me. Art. It depends. <laughs> the, uh, of course. about it. No. So you would say the art is the art. most important piece. The, the art or the frame, not the arc or the frame. Oh, you're talking about that. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, we're in Mona Lisa. It's art or arc. It's very confusing. Right. No, the question is, what's the more important thing? Yes, hold on, Fred. Fred, you, hold on. You got to unmute. You got to unmute. Hold on, unmute, unmute, unmute. Go. I'm, think, I'm thinking the ark is too holy to be looked upon, so uh, it should be built behind closed doors. Good, ah, uh, good, 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 good. So you got to build the frame first. So that was Moshe's right. opinion. That's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moses, you would think he has a good opinion. Moses says, first we got to build this, the Mishkan, and then we put it, first you make a frame, and then we'll, we'll create the ark and put it inside. Good, behind closed doors. Amazing. Comes well, didn't, along. Didn't, huh? didn't, didn't Hashem first build the world and then put the most important thing, Good. human beings, in it? Beautiful. So maybe we have a precedent about building first the framework, building the backdrop. Can you, right. imagine, if, can you imagine if Adam and Eve walked in? Apocalypse, like, whoa, well, what's, oh, wait, hold on. The sets are, <laughs> we're delayed with the sets. They're coming in, right? Right, so we have this precedent. Good, we have this precedent of the backdrop first and then the main characters. So Moses says, look, let's first build the Mishkan and then we're going to build the Ark. Betzalel says no. Betzalel disagreed. He disagreed with his, uh, with his boss. I mean, Moses hired him to build the Mishkan. Meanwhile, he has a disagreement as is many situations when you hire someone to build, right? They said, now they're telling you what to do. It's like, oh, I thought I had a vision. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. So B'Tzalel tells, B'Tzalel tells Moshe, no, we're going to build the ark first. Why? Because there is no Mishkan without an ark. The ark is the primary thing. And that's why 
Vayas Betzal, so Aaron Betzal made the ark because he was advocating the whole time for the ark. Now, let's read this inside. Now that I've made up this, no, I'm kidding. Now that I've told you this idea, let's read it inside of the Medrash. All right, I'm going to share my screen once again. You guys take a look at text uh, 4, page 118. I'll read this one. Betzalel said to Moses, to his boss, it is not respectful to the Torah to build the ark after the construction of the Mishkan. Rather, we should first fashion the ark and then construct the Mishkan. As a result, because of Betzalel's advocacy for the ark, Right? Ark first, Mishkan second. Betzal merited the ark is referred to, sorry, Betzal merited that the ark is referred to with his name. As the verse states, Betzal made the ark. So why is it a signature piece? Not just because he loved, not just because he put extra effort into it, but because he was advocating against Moses that the ark should be made first before. Now, uh, Fred had a good question. Well, then it's, uh, then it's not behind closed doors. Okay, maybe they made it in a tent. Maybe they, maybe they created just a temporary structure around it. That's what he wanted to do. Either way, what we're left with is two things from this first little section of the class. Number one, we understand the centrality of the Ark. The Ark was what created, what made the Mishkan into a holy space. It was the space where Torah was emanating from. The Ark housed the tablets the holy tablets with God's writing of the Ten Commandments. So the ark was truly a marvelous thing. The ark teaches us what it means for us to house Torah, what it means for us to be authentically uh, uh, filled with Torah. Gold inside, gold outside and inside. We have to be toyoche kabari. The inside has to be like the outside. We can't be, you know, just talk the talk without walking the walk. We have to be authentic. Good. And, now, and then the, la, the, the second point that we made was, and because of the centrality of the ark, how important the ark is, Betzalel actually disagreed with Moses. Moses said, first build the Mishkan, then the ark. Betzalel says, the ark is so important. Ark first. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to try to understand what is the argument behind the argument. What are they really arguing about? What? Moses was like, I think the Mishkan first. And Batal's like, I like the Ark first. But they, they each had a random preference. It's got to be based on something. And so that question number one is, what is this dispute of which one should be built first? What is it really based on? What's the real rationale driving the opinions? I mean, you could just say that they, you know, Jews like to argue and disagree. But there's more, there's something more. That's there's something deeper that's, uh, that's at play here. For some reason, Moses feels that the Mishkan must be made first, and Betzal feels that the Ark must be made first. What is driving their opinions, their positions? Number one. Number two, what does it mean for you and I? So to understand this, Mark, you want to jump in for a second? I do, just real quickly. Yeah. Because um, in my Rashi, it says Betzalel was named by Hashem because, because indeed uh, Moses was his uncle. And that, by Hashem naming him, the, the, the charge of nepotism wouldn't come. But that begs the question, was it a real disagreement? Or did, or did Moses, Moshe, disagree with Petzalel to show, see, it, it's not nepotism. It's, we're not on the same page on this. We disagree. Mark, you're in conspiracy territory here. <laughs> you're literally conspiracy territory. I mean, they only disagreed so that no one should call nepotism. I'm with yeah. you. I hear you, but I can't, I cannot say I'm hearing a little conspiratorial thinking, which is fine, which is fine. We're allowed to think like that. Um, that's a good question. I, I have no way to answer that. That, that, that or I, I don't really have a, a way to address that. I will tell you that 
when we get to the ultimately to the point of tonight's class, we'll see that that we'll see something marvelous, and that is that they weren't really disagreeing that much. <laughs> they were kind of agreeing, but I, I, I've already said too much. Well, let's, so let's just see how this plays out. So in order to understand what was really behind this disagreement between Moshe and Betzalel, should the Mishkan be made first before the Ark, or should the Ark be made first before the Mishkan, what was that all about to understand this? We need to go back to one of our favorite topics, which is, why are we here? Why did God create the world? And the answer, one of the answers that's given, and this is a powerful answer that's brought in that in Jewish mystical teachings, is that God wanted to have a relationship. Therefore, God created others. Why? Because you can't have a relationship with yourself. That's the way it is. I mean, you can, but it's not the same thing as a real relationship. Right? It's just me. It's not us. So God wanted a relationship. When you want a relationship, you need an other. So what does God create? An other. We are the other in this relationship. How do we relate to God? Now, if you think about it, a relationship is typically between two equals. Right? Like here, we're talking about the infinite and the finite, the creator and the creation. Like what kind of relationship is there between us and God? So for this, we have two, two tools with which to relate to God. And what are the two ways in which we relate to God? How do we relate to God? Through Torah and mitzvot. That's it, classic, classic ideas. God created the world, God created the universe in order to have a relationship with us. And how do we relate to God? Through the study of Torah and the performance of mitzvot. Now, I think sometimes we do a mishmash. Torah and mitzvot, we lump them together. But these are two very different areas. These are two very different areas. Torah is Torah study, like what we're doing now. And mitzvahs, mitzvot are mitzvah observances, doing a mitzvah. Lighting Shabbat candles, giving tzedakah, wrapping tefillin, right, eating kosher, um, uh, putting on a talit, um, suddenly I can't remember mitzvot. Eating matzah on Passover, shaking the lulav and esrog, so many mitzvot, right? So that's one experience. And then this experience, the, the experience we're doing now is studying Torah. Two different realms, two different experiences. And in fact, even more so to kind of create a little bit more of a divide, we know that with, within human personalities, there are some people that that gravitate towards study, Torah study, and some people that gravitate toward mitzvah observance. Not that we don't do both, but there's some people that are more of the scholarly type and some people that are more of the, let's say, activism type. I don't know if that's, a real, if that's the best word, but that's along the lines. Let's take a look at text number five. Okay, let's take a look at text five. This is from the Alter Rebbe, Rebbe Shneir Zaman of Liadi, the founder of Chabad, and he writes in Tanya, the, one of the sections of Tanya, the... Uh, the Fourth section of Tanya. Yeah. He writes the following. There are two types of Jewish souls. The souls of Torah scholars who engage in study all their lives. And the souls of mitzvah observers. Right? There are the scholars and the, the pragmatics. The ones who uh, take care of business on a practical level. Again, it doesn't mean, to be very clear. doesn't mean that the Torah scholars don't do mitzvot. It doesn't mean the ones that do mitzvot don't study Torah. Everyone does everything. Right, we all do both. All of us here studying Torah and we do mitzvot. But primarily, you know, there are two different types of souls, souls that gravitate more predominantly toward one or the other. Some souls gravitate toward the love studying. 
and some love mitzvah observance. Different types of people. You with me so far? I am, but there are other Jewish souls that, I mean, unfortunately, they're not doing either. Oh, so Leo's asking, so what about a soul who's not, who's not yet involved in, in either? So I would say, not yet. Good. But there is, there is a natia, there's a natural inclination toward one way. It's just maybe they haven't found their place yet. Maybe they haven't found the right mitzvah, the right piece of Torah to study. But everyone deep down uh, has a connection to everything, but, but, but a, 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 a preference to one or the other. So now let's go a little bit deeper in this. What does it mean that, the, that, that God created the world to have a relationship with us, and the relationship is drawn along the lines of either Torah or mitzvot or both, but you know, some people lean toward this or to that. So to understand what this really means, and to really understand the difference between Torah study and mitzvah observance, let's take a look at human relationships. Okay? And let's break down something that I think is really special and really important. Okay? So here we go. When it comes to doing, when it comes to a relationship, right? So here is the interesting thing. There are certain things that we do. So let's say I'm in a relationship, right? And my significant other, so it's me and my significant other. So there are two types of activities, two general categories of activities that, we can, that, that I can engage in. One is an activity that we both enjoy. So this is something that I do with the other person in the relationship. So for example, let's say me and my significant other both like hiking. Let's just say we both like hiking. So we take a Sunday afternoon and we go for a hike. Let's just say we go for a hike. Okay? So, what, so what is, what's happening? What's happening is she likes the hike, let's say. I like the hike. We're hiking. So this is something that we're doing together. It's a shared activity. So I'm doing this with her. Correct? It's an activity that we're sharing together. That's one type of activity. That's another type of activity. That's the type of activity that I, frankly, don't want to do. But she wants it. So now I'm doing it not with her, but for her. Are you with me on this? So, for example, let's say it's, uh, you know, huh? We, oh, nuance? Yeah, it's the nuance. It's the things I do with or for. There's a difference, right? There's a difference. Two, diff two categories of, of, of activities. So let's say, for example, I'm just giving you theoretical examples. Let's say, for example, that I, I don't like grocery shopping. Let's just say. I actually don't mind, but let's just say I, I really didn't like it. But let's say my wife says, you know, Shabbos is coming up, and we need, we, here's a list, and we need, we need food for Shabbos. So I would rather not. But we need, we know this is, she wants it, we, we, need, we need food, she wants me to get it, so I go. Again, this is all theoretical because Instacart. I mean, we don't do anything now, right? It doesn't make a difference. But anyway, let's say, it's, again, theoretically, so, so, I, so I, go to the, I go to the grocery store. So this is not an activity I'm doing with her. In fact, she's not even there, right? And this is not something that I love doing. It's not something that I feel like, you know, like, oh my gosh, it's amazing, I love this. No, I'm doing it for her. 
doing it for. So these are two categories of activities. The things that I like also, the things that we both like, or the things that I enjoy, that make me feel like I'm doing it with the other, and then there are things that I'm doing for the other. This is exactly the difference between Torah and mitzvot. Can you guess which one is which? Which one is with and which one is for? Is, which, so there's Torah study and doing a mitzvah. Which one is with and which one is for? What do you think? Mitzvah seems like that's for. Yeah? Good. And Torah is? With. Torah is with. Why is t- Torah is with and mitzvah is for? Why? Let's, let's break this down. To- when I study Torah, it's amazing. I understand it. It makes sense to me. It thrills me. It excites me. Wow, I understand that I get it. It satisfies my curiosity. It, 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 it engages my mind. And we're going to support this with text. I'm just giving you the whole picture outside, and then we'll, we'll learn it inside. And when we study Torah, God is studying with us. You ever hear uh, a text along, uh, um, teachings along, the, along those lines? When you and I study Torah, Hashem studies Torah with us. That means that it's an activity that we're engaged in together. We're hiking together. This is amazing. We're hiking, and there's a waterfall, and there's birds. It's beautiful. There's shade. It's cool. It's crisp. We have you know, water bottles. It's Kavaldic. Walking sticks. Vichuli. The whole deal. Vichuli, vichuli. You got the whole thing. I'm throwing out some shtisel terminology here. We got everything. Everything's going on over here. And uh, it's, it's Kavaldic. That's what happens when we study Torah. I'm studying with Hashem. I say a verse. God says the verse. God's repeating it. It's the whole deal. It's the whole deal. We're studying it together. I get it. I understand it. I'm engaged. What about a mitzvah? Mitzvah is not doing it with God. A mitzvah is doing it for God. God says, don't wear a woolen linen. I don't know. Ah, okay. All right. What's the shopping list? Give me the list. All right. Right. Eggs, aisle, whatever. Eggs are always in the, all the way in the end. You ever notice that? Always at the back of the store. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Straight Always. They want you to go through everything else to get to the, yeah, yeah, the whole deal, the whole deal. Anyway, so, yeah, the mitzvot at the shop, now, it doesn't mean that we don't like, uh, that, that, that we, doesn't mean that we don't feel connected to certain mitzvot. We do. Certain mitzvot really seem meaningful, and we feel like we're doing it with God. But there's plenty, 613. Of the 613, I would imagine there's a nice number of those that would be doing it for God and not with God. Where it's like, okay, God, this is what you want. For God. Um, let's take a look at some texts that establish what I just told you so that, I, so that you see I, I didn't just invent this out of thin air. So let's first explore what it means to study Torah and how that's with God and how that engages us, how we're involved, how we're, we're on that hike together with God. Here we go. Again, from the book of Tanya, text number six. When the mind perceives and understands an intellectual subject, right, like Torah, it grasps the subject and encompasses it. The subject becomes grasped and encompassed by the mind that understood and perceived it. So the mind, you know, contains the idea. The idea is contained by the mind. It's like very tight connection between what we learn and, and ourselves. Even during the course of study, before the mind has fully grasped the subject, the mind is invested in the subject. In other words, even before we get it, we're still engaged in it. For example, when we clearly and thoroughly understand and comprehend a particular law in the Mishnah or Talmud, through strenuous application of our minds, so it goes on, our minds grasp and encompass that law and are invested in it while we study it. 
Since this law is the wisdom and will of God, when we comprehend the matter, we comprehend and grasp God's will and wisdom. No mind can grasp God's will and wisdom except when his will and wisdom are invested in the form of the laws that he laid out for us. And honestly, this text is a little bit more than we need to know regarding the topic that we're covering today, but here's the point. The point is that when we study Torah, it's no less an experience of us connecting and communing with God. It's understanding, it's getting into God's mind, right? This is, what, this is how God thinks, this is what God wants, right? This is God's wisdom and will, and when we study Torah, we are completely invested in that experience. That's a very close and intimate relationship. That is a hike. That is camping together. That is hanging out, spending quality time. That's what I do with God, not for God. I'm not learning Torah for God. I'm learning Torah with God. And to illustrate that further, let's take a look at text 7 from the Midrash. I alluded to this before. The verse states, pour, out your heart, pour your heart out like water in God's presence, lamentations. The sages derive from this verse that whenever a scholar, listen to this, whenever a scholar sits down and engages in Torah study, by the way, we're all doing this right now, God is sitting across from him, us, and reading along. Our verse here states, in God's presence, nochach, nochach. And a different verse states, they camped across nochach from each other. Just as the word nochach in the latter verse means they were facing each other, so should it be interpreted in the former verse. Yeah, yeah, we don't really need to know exactly how it's derived from the verses. But here's what we do need to know. When we study Torah, God is sitting opposite. We are camping. Use the example of camping, right? We're camping with each other. We're camping out. We are camping out and, and whispering Sweet verses of Torah to each other. That is the experience of Torah study. The experience of Torah study is a very close, a very intimate moment, a shared experience with God. It's a shared experience with God. God is it, where God is whispering his secrets to us. We're whispering them back. It's a shared experience. We're understanding God's mind. It's a beautiful shared experience. That's all Torah. So Torah is like the hike, like the camping. I love hiking. I love camping, right? So we're hiking and camping together. This is a wonderful experience. It's gonna, it builds the relationship. It's a shared experience. But there's another thing that happens in relationships, and that is not just we do things with each other. We do things for each other. And that means, well, we don't want to do it. We still do it because <laughs> we're doing it for them. So when it's with, it means I get something out of it. When it's for, it means it's all about you. You with me on the difference? When it's with, that means I enjoy it. It means it's what I'm getting out of it. I study Torah. I get smarter. I get the thrill. I get excited. I understand. I, 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 in a good way. Or maybe whatever. But when it's something that's for the other, I'm going shopping. Okay, that's a bad example because I'm also going to eat the food. Um, when I, uh, let me think. Pick up the dry cleaning. Yeah, okay, I think every every human, it's going to be limited on some level. Okay, let's say pick up the dry cleaning, right? It's not for me, it's not my clothes, right? So, look, the point is that it's, I'm not doing something with the other, I'm doing something for the other. But that also expresses the depth of the relationship. It's not just about me, it's about you. It's about the other. It's power in that. Let's take a look at, at and that is what a mitzvah is. A mitzvah is less about me you know, feeling the presence of God and more like, all right, God told me to take these leather straps and wrap them around my arm, so I'm doing it, right? Let's take a look, text number eight, and just see that inside black and white from classic Jewish 
teachings. This is from the Talmud, Rashi and the Talmud. God gave us these commandments, specifically the ones that don't make a lot of sense, like I mentioned, wool and linen, not to wear wool and linen, to show that we are his loyal servants who observe his commandments and decrees, even those that are evil inclination in other nations challenge us about saying, what, why is this commandment necessary? Others might say, are you crazy? Are you meshuga? What, you, oh, you don't mix meat and milk? Why? You crazy? Why? Tastes great. What's the problem? We say, no, because God doesn't want us to. Does that make sense? Doesn't make sense. But not everything in a relationship makes sense. <laughs> if we're, we're going to have a relationship only when it makes sense, good luck. Good luck. That's not how people work. That's not how people work, right? People have what they like. And to be in a relationship means that I honor what you like, even if I don't like it. I honor what you like. That's what a mitzvah is. A mitzvah is honoring what God wants, what God likes, so to speak. Right? God says, I want you to do this. Okay, we're doing it. Is it a shared experience? Do I feel like the presence of God? Maybe. Maybe with, with some mitzvahs that I really get, I really feel, maybe. But a lot of them, it's just doing it for God. It's not doing it for myself. So this is the distinction between Torah and mitzvot. And just, I, just so we don't lose the plot over here, it's very important that we understand what's happening in this, in this class. I, I explained, you know, we started the second section of the class by talking about God creating this world to have a relationship with us. And the avenue, the glue that holds the relationship together, there's two elements. Shared experiences and selfless experiences. There's what we do with God and what we do for God. Torah is what we do with God and mitzvot is what we do for God. And that's, those are the two avenues. That's what creates a relationship. That's what builds a like any relationship. What, what, what creates a healthy relationship is the things that we do to, the, together, the activities that we love that we share together, and the selfless dedication, the giving that we give to each other. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not that complicated. But this, this manifests itself in our spiritual relationship in the two modalities of Torah and mitzvot. And again, some people are more like, I want to feel God. And some people are more like, I want to give to God. Some people like studying Torah. Some people like doing mitzvot. Whatever it is. Either way, it's two different modalities. Good. And so now we bring it back. Well, before we bring it back, now I want to ask you another question. So which is greater? Let's talk about human relationships. Which is greater? Is it greater to... What's a... Which is more important in a relationship? To experience moments of shared connection or to experience moments of pure giving to the other? Which is more important in building a relationship? Is it like what builds a healthy, long-lasting relationship? Is it those, those hikes together or is it shopping and dry cleaning? What really builds the relationship? What do you think? Well, you you hear you hear all the time that when people have a complaint, he was a good provider, but we never shared anything. So you can't have one. I don't think you can have one without the other. Good. So you're saying both, but I'm saying if we had to choose, right? If we had to choose one over the other, right? What what is what's What's the mainstay of the, of, the, of the relationship? Is it those moments in which we're walking on the beach together, that we're hiking, that we're camping, that we're, you know, the road trips? Is it, is it that what creates the relationship? Or is it 
the, 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 the daily sacrifices, the giving, the giving for the other, the doing for the other, even when it's not about us, it doesn't feel good, but we're doing it, we're dedicated. What builds the relationship? And the connection comes from being together. Yeah, I agree. That it's the, being together, and 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 not only the you're saying not necessarily the dedication, the for, but with the other. Okay, right. I, I want to tell you something. It's obviously a loaded question, because the answer is both. But really, the answer is depends who you ask, Moshe or Betzalel. That's depends who you ask, Moshe or Betzalel. We said, oh, they had a big debate, Mishkan or Ark. Well, now we know. Let me just connect. You have all the information. You have all the dots. Let me be that guy to connect the dots. One, two, three. All right. With all the dots. Are, yeah. Which one's easier? You both like. Right. It's easier to, right, it's easier to engage in the stuff that you like together. It's harder to do the stuff that you don't like for the other. So one, therefore, could argue that that's the real cement that's the real glue of the relationship. It's not what you like doing, because that's easy, and whatever is easy is usually not as significant. It's what's harder. It's when, you, it's when the other person sees that you're not just in it for yourself, for your enjoyment, but you're in it for them. That's what cements a relationship. That's one side of the argument. The other side of the argument is no. What creates that, 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 that bond, that love bond, is the shared experiences, as was mentioned before by a few people. So you really have both, both experiences being central to, this, to, 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 to creating a relationship. This is exactly the dispute between Moshe and Betzalel. Rabbi, to complicate things, you know, some people have difficulty really showing their emotions or being together, and they express their, their relationship by doing things. Right, you know, and it's the other way, and it's the other way around as well. I don't think it's complicating the issue at all. I think that's a valid point, and it works the other way as well, right? Some people do for the other. Oh wait, wait, maybe you said both ways. I'm trying now. I'm, I'm confusing myself. I think it, it works both ways. Bottom line is, some people will do for the other, but feel like okay, so then we don't have to spend time together. Some people will spend time together and and enjoy, you know, watch the movie together because they enjoy that. But when the other one wants something from them, they're like. No, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to do that. Not interested, right? So but both are necessary, and this is the dispute. So let me just connect all the dots. Um, we said before, this is going back to the first section of the class, that the core question was, what should be built first? The Ark or the Mishkan? Well, here's the, uh, you, all the pieces are in, play, are in place already. What did the Ark house? The tablets. What's the tablets? The Torah. So what does the Ark represent? Torah. In relationship lingo, what does it represent? The shared experiences, the with. Right? I'm doing something with you. So the Ark, again, we have all the pieces, just, just defining it clearly. The Ark represents the Torah. The Torah is, we just said Torah is, the shared experience with God. It's the stuff that I do with God. I study Torah right opposite God. We're camping together. We're camping opposite each other. I say a verse. God says the verse. God says the verse. I say the verse, even though we can't see him. But God is with us in that experience. We're understanding the wisdom of God. It's a beautiful thing. And the rest of the Mishkan? It's like the doing. Yeah, you build the menorah, and you build the this, and you build the that. And of course, every part of the Mishkan 
has symbolism and has its own you know, world of, of symbolism. But at the end of the day, every other part of the Mishkan, the building of the Mishkan, the beams and the sockets and the tapestries and the curtains and the covers and the tachash skins, all that stuff, Okay, it's all taking stuff of this world and making and, and, and doing what God said. God says, take a beam, you know, put it up, put it in a socket, put a covering over it. All right, so we're doing it. So the rest of the Mishkan represents the mitzvah, doing it for God. So the Mishkan is for God. The ark is with God. And now we have the dispute. And now we have the machloket. Now we have the, 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 the question. Moses says, what's primary? The primary thing is, Moses' opinion was, Mishkan first, then Ark. Moses says the first thing you do is the Mishkan. First thing you do is the mitzvah. In a relationship, the first thing that you need is dedication and selflessness for the other. Are you with me on this? It would be easier if we had a chart, but it's fine. Hopefully we can can help cup. Moshe did this when, when Hashem called him. Uh, and, and, and with the with the um, burning bush, he said, "I don't want to. I'm not in. This is not my thing." And God said, "I'll, you know, you do it anyway." Right? Yeah, selflessness. It's like I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I'm doing it anyway. Exactly. So Moses says that what is the foundation? What's the starting point? What's the launching point of our relationship with God? The first thing you build is. The Mishkan, then you build the Ark. The first thing, the first question of a relationship on our BuzzFeed relationship quiz, this will ascertain how strong our relationship is. Question number one is, how often do you give, how often do you do something for the other that's not about yourself? How often does that happen? That's question one. Question number two is, how often do you take strolls you know, along the beach. That's question two. Question one is, are you building a Mishkan? Question two is, are you building an ark? Question one is, are you dedicated selflessly? Question two is, do you have shared experiences? That's Moses' opinion. B'tzalel, as I say in Yiddish, pumfakert, the exact opposite. B'tzalel is the opposite. B'tzalel says, no, 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 no. What makes a relationship, question number one is, the ark. Well, item number one is the ark. Question number one is, how... Often are you spending time together, quality time? How often are you having shared, lovely experiences together? That's question one that builds a relationship. Question two is, okay, now what are you doing for the other, even when it's not about you? That's question two. In other words, they both agree that to build a mishkan, that to build a home for God, you need both the rest of the mishkan and the ark. And everyone agrees that both are important. The question really is, what, which comes first? Right? The, the love, I'm going to just call it love, or the dedication. It's really all about love, but it's, it's the, share, the sharing or the giving, which is first, which is second. Ultimately, it seems like Betzalel got his way. Ultimately, it seems like Betzalel got his way. And uh, maybe the ark, it really depends on which tradition we follow, because there's different traditions about what, how the debate, what the debate was about and how it unfolded. But if we posit that Betzalel's vision of the ark is indeed correct, there's a beautiful lesson here. And I think it's practical. The lesson is, who are you going to be ready to dedicate your life selflessly to? Who are you going to be ready to give to, to do for? Someone who you probably have a connection with. Are you with me on that? 
In other words, first question is, right, do, do you have a connection? And then if you have a connection, oh, now you're going to give to the other. So yes, Moses is saying, ultimately, at the end of the day, the most important element is how how, to what degree are you ready to sacrifice for the other? That's the real question about a relationship. But Betzal is saying, but to get to sacrifice, I have to want to sacrifice for the other. And if I don't have a connection, if I don't have a bond to them, why am I going to want to sacrifice? I hope that makes sense. So, and this goes back to a classic debate, Talmudic debate, regarding Torah and mitzvot, again, which is the spiritual um, analogy or the spiritual analog for this entire conversation. Text 14. We'll conclude with this text. All right, I'm going to put it up on the screen. I know we skipped a bunch of texts. Don't worry. I gave you the, uh, the gist of all of it. Text 14. This is page 129. Rabbi Tarfon and the elder sages were once gathered in the upper chamber of Nitzah's house in Lod. The question was raised, and this was a loaded question. That was a joke. The question was raised. Which, sorry, what is greater, the study of Torah or the performance of mitzvot? You with me? Look at the question. Which is greater, to study Torah or to do mitzvot? You know, in relationship lingo, you know what that would be? That would be like philosophers discussing or people discussing, therapists discussing. So what's, what's more important in a relationship? Shared time or shopping? I mean, or, or, or dedication to the other. Which is more important? Rabbi Tarfin proclaimed the performance of mitzvot is greater. In other words, the dedication is greater. Rabbi Akiva proclaimed, no, the study of Torah is of greater importance. Uh, shared experiences. All of the assembled then proclaimed, look at this, in unison, like a musical, they all proclaimed, the study of, to of Torah is great, of greater importance because Torah study brings one to the performance of mitzvot. So look, some people said Torah is greater, some people said mitzvot is greater, and the conclusion was Torah is greater because it leads to doing a mitzvah. What does that mean in our lingo? You have to have those experiences of shared connection. You have to have those experiences of doing something with the other. You have to have that love, that real bond, because what that does is that leads to the mitzvah. That leads to being dedicated selflessly to the other. So you really need both. But which comes first and which comes second? First comes the Torah study, the ark, and then comes the mishkan. First comes Betzalel, and then comes Moses, I mean, so to speak. First comes the, the, um, the shared experiences, and, and then the dedication. And the truth is, this is mirrored in relationships, right? This is, I, most relationships are like this. I mean, think about it. Most relationships, the pattern is, you find someone who you like spending time with, and then the love deepens and matures to the point where it's not just about you and your having fun with the other person, but you respect them and you really care for them and you really want to do for them. And so you're, you're ready to, you know, not do what you want for the other person. If they want it, you're going to do it for them. But where does that come from? I, I, it would be hard-pressed to say that a relationship begins with that. A relationship begins with selflessness. Like I meet someone, the first thing is, what can I do for you? That's customer service. Right, that's a customer service agent. But that's getting paid. That's not a real love relationship. It's like, how can I help you? How can I help you? All right. It's like, that's not, that's not, a, that's not the way humans are typically wired in relationships. Typically it's, let me find someone who enjoys, right, long strolls on the beach 
and uh, candlelit dinners, and I don't know, I'm trying to think of the most cliche uh, singles ads possible, but like, right, it's like, I like reading books, and I, it's, what, what do we like? And so we find someone that we're compatible with that likes the same things that we do, and we have these wonderful shared experiences, and we laugh, and we, you know, we have fun together, and then hopefully it matures to the point where we're, where each of us are, are given to the other. A relationship can only exist, sorry, a relationship can only be sustained when there's selfless giving, the mitzvah modality. It can't, it's not sustained on shared activity. It can't be because there's a limit to that shared activity and at some point that they're not going to want what you want and then the question is, no, are you in or are you out? That's the question, right? Like, if it's only about you, then when it's about them, then you're out, then it's not a real relationship. So ultimately, it's the mitzvah that is primary. But to get to the mitzvah, you need the Torah first. Like in a practical level, you can't know how to do a mitzvah without studying Torah. You can't be selflessly dedicated without having uh, an emotional or whatever deep connection with them. You're not going to give to them. You're not going to do for them until you have experiences with them. And so, my friends, what we've seen tonight is something quite marvelous. And what is quite marvelous is that in a Torah portion that speaks of constructing an ancient temple, a portable sanctuary, and in a seemingly random debate between Moses and Betzal about what should be built first, the frame or the art, i.e. the Mishkan or the ark, what should be built first, <clears throat> we've uncovered, we've unlocked, based on the teachings of Hasidut and the Rebbe's teachings, we've unlocked a beautiful message about life and relationships and love. And that is, to cement a relationship with another person, you need to have shared enjoyment, shared experiences, as well as selfless experiences. Things that we do with the other person and things that we do for the other person. And the same is true with our relationship with God. There are things that we do with God, like Torah study, things that we do for God, like mitzvahs, they're both important. And so, my friends, as we think about and reflect on tonight's class, let's think about how we can strengthen our relationships on the ground, as well as our relationships, relationship above. Our terrestrial relationships, as well as our heavenly relationship, and requires some good old quality time, as well as some acts of devotion. Thank you very much for joining me tonight for Torah study. I hope it made sense. Made sense? Good. All right. I hope it made sense. And... Maybe even uh, inspiring on some level. Maybe, maybe a little, little bonus. Ray, jump in. Don't forget to unmute. Yeah. Can I unmute? You got it. Yeah, we hear you now. All right. I wonder if an example would be, I have two grandsons, 25 years old. One, if you look at him, he's wearing an IDF uniform with a gun. The other is... The Torah with, you know, the black, the white, the stripy, he's 100% Torah. So yeah. I told them they're both doing for, they're both doing for Israel, they're both doing for Hashem in different ways. Is that an example? I think so, but you said the word for. I would maybe, based on tonight's class, I would tweak it. But after tonight's class, you can go back to the way you said it. But I, for tonight's example, I would tweak it a little bit. That your grandson, who is... AJ is which one? He's the... 
the Torah. The Torah scholar. So AJ is right. He's uh, he's wearing the black and white, right? He's wearing okay. the uh, the yeshiva garb. So he's communing. He's he's um, celebrating or hanging out with God all the time. He's studying Torah. Yes, he's enjoy he's enjoying quality time with. Uh, you know, with the boss. He's enjoying the quality time. And your other grandson? Yehuda. Yehuda, yes. Thank you for reminding me. I met Yehuda. I met both of them. Yes. So Yehuda is doing for God. He's putting his life on the line for his people, for his country, for his faith, right? He's doing yes. for. And so two different experiences. That's a, that's a very, very practical example of your grandsons. Beautiful. By the way, they should be both, they should both be blessed with Everything they need and good health, and sorry, who's it? It's AJ. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. Yeah, Ray sent it to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very beautiful. We're just passing around the picture of your, your of 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 Yehuda and AJ wearing their garb. Yeah. How did you get that? Sandrine. Oh, I sent it to you. Sand well, you sent it to me and Sandrine. Sandrine leaked it to the crowd over here. You ne never say. Be careful. Once it's out, it's out. I'm kidding. It's only only good things. Should we show it? Should we? Yeah, I'll hold it up here. I'll hold it up here. Just, just, yeah, you, Ray, are you okay if we, uh, if, we, if I show it over yeah. here? All right, we're just getting consent because, you know, look at this. There they are. There they are. Right. That's it. And we have Torah and mitzvot. We have with and for. And, of course, everyone's both. Everyone's both. But if we had to tip the needle a little here, a little there, Look, at the end of the day, one is wearing one set of garments and the other one's wearing another set of garments. So that's, that's the way it is. But it's such a beautiful, I think it's such, I, I, I was very taken by tonight's, uh, tonight's theme. It's like very important because when you think about what's at the core of building a relationship with God, with another, any relationship, it's really these two components. It's shared experiences, loving, connecting, laughing, you know, crying together. It's that shared experience that, that builds a relationship but it's also doing for the other selflessly. It's not about me and, and our shared experience. You know, it's, it's just doing for the other. It's, it's really, it's, it's powerful. And the only question is, well, which one comes first? Depends who you ask. Moshe B'Tzal. But that's why I said at the beginning of the class, they're, they're, they're not disagreeing as much as it might seem. They're really, they really both agree that both are necessary. It's just, which one, you know, which one do you put? If you had to put them in an order, you know, which one is are you putting before the other? All right. Um, yes, Donna. So I like the imagery of that God is studying Torah with us, right? He's across the table. I also feel that Rashi is somewhere too, <laughs> maybe like Elijah. <laughs> yeah, why not? We can add more around the table. But if God is there, I think we're, you know, that's that's definitely a good place to be across from God. Right. Can't can't beat that. Um, but sure, it says it says whenever we study anyone's Torah, it says there, it's very interesting, there's a verse that says that when we study the Torah of a sage who's passed on, it says their lips move in the grave along the words of Torah that we say in their name, which is very cool. Their lips. It doesn't mean physically necessarily, but it means conceptually. It's like, it's powerful stuff. So yeah. So the definition here says scholars studying Torah, but that means all of us. Yeah, we're all scholars. I, I, yeah. Elio's asking, do we have to be, it says scholars that study Torah are connecting with God. We're all scholars. Okay. When we study Torah, we're all scholars. That's it. Put on your Tamar Chachem cap, <laughs> boom, you're a Torah scholar. 
Welcome. When you check in to these classes, you're a Torah scholar. You're a scholar. And it's, all, it's up to everyone. If you ever take that hat off, that's on you. But here, Torah scholar, it's on. All right. Uh, yes, mom. I have one question. So, so when Moshe, in the beginning, I, I, I think I saw that Moshe says, first build the Mishkan, and then we'll put the... So, who, so you're saying Moshe didn't win out, but Salah won... What I'm saying is, I said before, so there's, there's different opinions as to what each side had and to how it actually played out. So I, I, it's, there's, there's opinions both ways. So what actually happened depends who you ask. But it's, oh. I, t, it's for tonight, it's less important as to what happened because I, I don't know if there's clarity as to what happened, but more about what the two positions are. Um, then, yeah. Can I, ask, yeah, I just want to ask practically the question. So where were the where were where were the luchos before? Where were they kept? Where were they held? That's a good question. That's a very good question. Yeah, um, I would imagine it was kept in a you know in a safe place, probably in the tent of Moses. I would imagine probably he created a tower. Last week we read about how he after the sin of the golden calf, he pulled his tent out of the camp, and he called it the Ohamo, the tent of meeting. Now the Ohamo was also the name. That would ultimately be given to the Mishkan. So we see that even before the Mishkan was built, um, the building of the Mishkan was called the Omoid. So even before that, his tent was the temporary Omoid. So I would imagine that that's where he kept the, the, the tablets. I'm sure it's discussed in a source. So probably better than me making up an answer would be to look it up. But that's, uh, I believe that's what happened. Okay. Yeah. All right. Laila Tov, everyone. It's good to see you all. Check out the website for more information about classes that are upcoming, including you be the judge, and you want to be the judge, because it's good to be the judge. It's good. True crime. Who doesn't like true crime? OMG. It's the best genre. Oh, my gosh. True crime? It's fantastic. So we're going to be exploring real cases that came in front of the Jewish court, the Betin, using Talmudic sources for analysis, debating, discussing, you be the judge. The gavel's in your hands. Yeah. Real deal. Real deal. You could be a scholar. You are the scholar. That's it. Scholar and a judge. Yes, you did. You became a scholar tonight and a judge. If you sign up, if you don't sign up, then no promises about being a judge. I'm just saying. So, intangibleacademy.org slash judge. And, yeah. Be a judge, Judy. Or not. Or Wapner. Do, do, do. Do, 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 do. Yeah. People's court. The People's yeah, Court. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Name, Judge Wapner. That's right. Those interviews afterwards in the hallway. Oh, that's right. Epic. Absolutely epic. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh. All right. This is reality TV before, before reality TV. This was reality TV. Unbelievable. Scripted. You know, you know that it was half scripted. It got to be half scripted, these things. It had to have been. And you know that whoever showed up, it's because they offered to whatever the judgment is, they got it covered. And plus appearance fees, and plus you get to get famous for 15 minutes. All right, enough of that. We'll have to do a TV special edition of Torah Studies another time. All right, Laila Tov, everyone. Take care. Be well. Good to see you all. Bye. Thank you, Rabbi. Laila R. Exactly.